0: landed on the substance a podcast aimed at being biblical thoughtful and human join us each week as we engage the culture without the culture war i'm your host trevor aiken joined by my two friends vincent edwards howdy howdy (laughs) (laughs) and philip marinello
1: hey
2: everybody
0: and a special guest joining us as well this week mitch wiley hey there
1: Mitch is a PhD student at Southern Seminary. Uh, He is a hospital chaplain as well as a pretty serious cinephile. He's been published a handful of times by the Gospel Coalition, right, Mitch? Just published. Published. Published a single time. Hey, that's more than we've been. I would love to uh, (laughs) write some reviews for them sometime. So, Mitch, welcome to The Substance. Thanks for having me, guys. So, uh, Sol, you kind of reached out to me about this. Yeah. Yeah. We kind of connected
3: through Twitter and we were kind of tossing around ideas for substantive cinema and I had soul on my radar. I've had it on my radar for a long time being a huge Pixar fan. And, um, I had a feeling that this was going to be a really substantive, um, animated film and it turns out it was.
1: Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Did you connect with us after, um, a hidden life? Was that correct? Yes. Okay. Yeah. No, I, um, I, I also am a big fan of Pixar. If we want to talk briefly uh trevor vince what um did you guys have any expectations I, I know pixar is a pretty uh well-known brand and i i know that you guys have seen probably a number of those films already any kind of excitement or expectations going into this for you too
2: yeah, personally, I had got wind from just social media, Facebook, to, uh, Instagram, just about a lot of the character renderings, uh, because, you know, it's it's always nice to see black representation in, in film and media. So I was super excited and just anticipating that. Um, and then just the music, I, I thoroughly enjoy music. And so I, I know that, you know, Disney films, Pixar films, Sometimes when they're like musicals or, or anything like that, they they typically do have a great cast of individuals who sing well or play well. So definitely anticipating that area. And then just just excited to see how they they handled this particular subject of a soul uh, after life and and all of those things that that happened in the film just just seeing how they pursue mm. that and the animation with it and it, it was uh it was it was it was very nice.
1: Nice what are you Trev?
0: yeah, similar similar to events. I mean i I'm not as much on social media, I feel like and I had missed kind of a lot of the information i'm I'm in general less aware of movies than our other two hosts, but um had kind of heard obviously the connection with jazz and like that play on like soul music kind of thing. and so for the most part, I went into it. Uh, and I'll I'll kind of briefly talk about my watch experience here, but like, kind of kind of went into it just blind
1: in a way. That's the best. Like I, n- I did I kinda not think know that it very that is much. the best way to watch a movie, if possible.
0: It's, it is. It is fun. I have most of the time enjoyed the movies I've watched going in blind. But man, I didn't go into it just like in a neutral emotional state. Like I had worked on a house project that I was unsuccessful at that day and was just really frustrated. And I was just in a space of like, just really feeling defeated
1: and kind of having to watch it for work. sort of. yeah.
0: And so I was like, all right, we're recording on this thing. Like Phillips tell me I have to watch it. <laughs> so I'm going to go watch this movie. And it was funny. I think I texted you after the end of the movie and I said, you know, that was the movie I needed tonight. Because it was just so heartwarming and uplifting, and honestly, just a, a f- reminder. And I mean, this isn't a spoiler per se, but just as we say in all of our substantive cinema episodes, like this is spoiler alert. If you are concerned about that and you want to make sure you see the movie first, go ahead and pause and check it out on Disney check Plus. Check it out on Disney come Plus, back. and then come back. But it just the way it talked about like finding joy and the living of life that it's not necessarily like, well, this is your purpose and you have to find this thing, but like just enjoying the life and from a Christian worldview, like that God has ordained for you to have. And that just really helped me like put into perspective, like, you know what? Failing at doing this project at my house, like even though I gave it my best shot, was what the Lord had ordained for me today, and I can still enjoy the parts of life that that was, like the fullness of that, and um, yeah, so I, I honestly was ministered to by it, I felt like.
1: Nice. Well, that's excellent. So we, we already gave our spoiler warning. We are going to get into what happened in the film. Mitch, do you want to take, uh, take a stab at a synopsis for the film?
3: Yeah, this one's a tough one for that. I mean, there's certain Pixar movies like Finding Nemo where it's like, you know, <laughs> dad loses his son and he's a fish and he goes to find him. And that's the plot. Um, <laughs> and there's other, others like Inside Out or Soul where you're just like, man, how do I explain this? Like, So sure. I'll, I'll do my best. But essentially you have um, the protagonist, which is Joe Gardner. He's voiced by Jimmy Fox. And he is this middle school band teacher in downtown New York. And he's also an aspiring jazz pianist. And he kind of on this day uh, gets offered full-time tenure at um, at this middle school with benefits and a salary. And he's also offered a gig, kind of his dream gig, that could he can make it big as a jazz musician finally. And it was going to be that night. And he falls into a manhole and I guess he dies. (laughs) I'm still a little uncertain about that, but he kids
1: movie died or something.
3: Yeah. He, he goes into this kind of metaphysical limbo state of existence that is like this escalator up to kind of a bright white light, which is a little bit of a cliche, but it's kind of a play um, kind of a funny idea there, but it's called the great beyond. And Joe tries to escape this death. And he goes off that little escalator and he goes into the great before, which is rebranded as the you seminar. And he kind of becomes the mentor for this um, young soul that hasn't gotten a body yet. And that's uh, and this is like the first act. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and her name is 22. and It's voiced by Tina Fey. And she wants nothing to do with Earth or existence. She kind of represents nihilism. And they kind of have this body swapping episode where they go back down to earth. And that's kind of the premise of the movie is for 22 to find her spark, which gives her an earth pass. And a spark can be like a passion or an interest like music for for Joe. And Joe is trying to get back to his body to make it to this um, this big kind of jazz gig he has that night.
1: Or like that one kid who got hit in the head with a soccer ball somehow and got the spark. That was probably my favorite spark getting and I was like, "What uh cuz at that point they hadn't kind of explained the spark. They kind of hadn't had that turn at the end that was the reveal like the spark isn't your purpose." And I was like, "Uh that little guy just got hit in the head with a soccer ball and he's like, "Oh, here's my spark." yeah Like self-abuse. Like I was yeah, not I was not sure what that goalie was.
0: for the US Men's National yeah, Team. I wasn't oh, sure what
1: that was implying, but that didn't make me laugh a lot. Oh man. There's so much to talk about as we are seeking to come to it from a, a biblical, thoughtful, and human perspective.
0: Mm-hmm. There's
1: a, I wouldn't say like a ton, but there's, there's a little bit of a controversy around this one. Yeah, right?
0: it was funny. The first thing we sat down and Christina was like, yeah, like I definitely saw some Christian moms online that were kind of saying that this movie was bad. And I I know that you had some experience with that as well, too. And it's kind of understandable from a from a certain point of view. And I would imagine as well, there are some of our listeners come to this episode maybe to hear that perspective, right? Because they know we're going to give things a fair shake. But my thought, I saw a review that said it misses the theological mark. And my thought is like, what movie passes the theological test perfectly and like and and is that actually the point of movies like for example if we sit down and we watch a movie rendition of charles dickens a christmas carol like do we really come away from it with spirits from the afterlife or what you need to like correct your miserly ways (laughs) like and and the Lord definitely sends those, and the afterlife definitely works that way with the chains and everything.
1: No, it's very clearly a story. No, and the so... Romans
3: Road was not presented to Scrooge. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah. therefore, the Muppets Christmas Carol is it's off legalism, my list.
0: man. Like, yeah. yeah, it's just behavior <laughs> modification. They don't even have the gospel. Of course, it's it's a story. That's not the point. And so, I just I just wonder if people. Are and I don't know, maybe they are, maybe they are consistent, maybe they are self critical when it comes to these kind of things where they look at that and they're like, you Lord know, Lord I reject the Rings all or these Narnia, things,
1: which most people love,
0: right? But at the same time, I will say, I think people put it in a different category, perhaps because it is a kid's movie where they're saying, okay, Gotta the children. yeah, it's animated. There's just a, it seems like it, at least for Christians, there seems to be like a different standard that we apply when something is animated, when something is more in that realm of a kid's movie. I have a four and a two-year-old. Would I show this movie to them? Probably not. But not necessarily because I was trying to protect them from any ideas so much as, like, I just don't think they would get it. The themes of the movie are reflective enough that it seems to be for an older child no, than where my kids like are a, at.
1: Like an 8 to 12-year-old so, versus like, like a young child.
0: And so I can I, I can understand why there's some confusion over that. But at the same time as understanding it, like that's my take. I I don't agree that a Christian has to, I guess, tread lightly here, especially. I would say whenever you're engaging in any media or even any sermon, tread biblically. Have your mind, like, have a disciplined routine and a knowledge of the Word of God such that you are approaching life in a way that understands these things. Yeah, if kids see this movie, they're going to need guidance, but that's just true in general about life. Like, not everything that a child encounters in life is going to have orthodox theology, but that's why the kids have parents, and, and actually, pastors and teachers,
1: and, and I would say on the flip side, you got Disney, the one of the biggest entertainment companies in the world. You got Disney Plus, tens of millions of subscribers. A lot of people are going to see this film. This film deals very well with very substantive and mm-hmm. truthful and important and like true and meaningful themes. So. To, to elect to not address it because it wasn't intended to be a Sunday school lesson. I'd almost say, like, how could you not?
0: Seems like a whiff. Especially, the, like, yeah.
1: this is a movie. I mean, we've talked about stuff like this before. We haven't covered The Good Place on the show, but we talked about it. But, yeah, like, how could we not address something that's like, hey, it's good to live a purposeful life is kind of what this boils down yeah. to.
0: And Mitch, have you seen this kind of backlash as well? What are your thoughts? You're obviously a thinking theologian kind of guy, working on your doctorate, that kind of thing. Like, How do you process when you see this kind of critique?
3: Yeah, I think, um, well, first, Philip mentioned it. You know, this is Disney, and you have to—the expectations are that Disney's not going to march out Jesus and present him as your Mm -hmm. purpose in life and your soul is— to enjoy God forever and glorify God. You know, they're right. not marching out the any catechisms or anything like that. But I think it's my—I approach it with a theology of common grace, and I think that God gives little pleasures and wisdom to, to all kinds of people, Christians and non-Christians. And I think that we are able to receive wisdom from even people who aren't believers, and I think this has a lot of wisdom to it. Mm. So, That's Mitch, good.
1: how many times have you seen the film at this point?
3: I have seen it twice.
1: Just twice. Okay. What uh what are some things that stick out to you the most? When you think of the movie, what are what are some of your impressions?
3: I think the movie, I think the things that stand out to me, well, first there's kind of the technical level of it's visually dazzling. Shoot. It looks real it mm-hmm. looks incredible, especially mm-hmm. New York City. Um, it's mm-hmm. set in autumn and it's just the very beautiful orange yellow hues to the city. It, it makes me miss crowds and, and being around mm. a lot of people. Oh yeah. Those
1: mm-hmm. big city scenes. I was like, Oh, <laughs> know, everybody, everybody all bumping into each other on the streets. Social distancing.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: like, I guess cartoons can't get COVID so it's
3: okay.
1: <laughs> oh,
3: yes. And, and certainly the music and soundtrack um, man, oh, man. was great. And I, I was left thinking a lot about the themes Certainly that, that reveal montage near the end is kind of the, the big climactic scene, which, which reminds me a lot of Pete Doctor's other montages in his Pixar films. He's the co-writer, co-director. He did Monsters, Inc., Up, hmm. and Inside Out. Of course, Up has that famous montage. And I immediately thought of that when it was playing. And then, of course, my, the tears started falling. Hmm. But I think I was left thinking a lot about vocation, and mm-hmm. passion. And I mean, they call it spark. And I purpose certainly is the the big word for it, that un, everything kind of falls underneath that umbrella. But one one kind of sentence that I've been thinking a lot about is the unsuccessful life is worth living. And yeah. I think I think that there's a lot I mean, there's a few things that I'll point out. But one of the things that that I that I really loved is that Joe does finally get this this jazz gig and it's as transcendent as he imagined it would be in his dreams. Like he, he kills it. He's doing great. He, he has his, you know, big break that he's been looking for. It's everything he wanted. And then after it, you know, he's talking to the Dorothea Williams, who's the kind of the leader of the jazz group. And he said, it's, it's essentially he's like, okay, so what next? Like, what do we do next? And she says, well, we do it again tomorrow. And it's you know he's achieved his dreams, but those dreams are about to become this mundane job, and so I think that I mean the the Gospel Coalition put out a little article that I really liked on it, um, and the the title of it was "Soul is the Anti Disney Disney
1: Movie," and really good review.
3: Well, I really well, I liked it, and, and it was very works. thoughtful. It was written by Dustin Crow, and and I and I've seen that in a few other reviews, and because the typical Disney trope, I think is. You you realize your dreams. You live happily ever after. Yep. You were made for a specific purpose, and once you achieve that purpose, everything falls into place. And this really subverted that. And he got mm. Joe got everything he wanted, and that wasn't enough. And so, I think the film's message is: even if he didn't achieve his dreams, quote unquote, his life is still worth living. And here's all the reasons why it's worth living. And man, the
1: montage was heavy. Mm-hmm. And that, that mom was
3: filled with so certainly common grace, food, music, um, Family. nature, beauty, all of those things, and all of the 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 culmination of all these little moments and little pleasures um are so much of what makes life joyous. Mm-hmm. And that is what I was really walk walking away thinking about.
0: Yeah. No, hundred percent. Yeah. One thing I was thinking about, so you mentioned the idea of vocation, and there's connections. I wouldn't say it's directly maybe a Calvinist idea, but that idea of God's providence over everything, when you have a a firm idea of that, and then understanding that the job that you were called to do, like it's almost even interconnected with the Protestant work ethic, where like the thing that you do, whatever job or title or um, position that you have in your work that is your vocation it is the thing that god has called you to do even if you're not a minister it's all spiritual um but sometimes that can bleed over into this thing defines me this work defines me and i was wondering if you were kind of as you were thinking through that like seeing this movie as interacting with that concept
3: yeah my wife put it really well and she told me she said you better not say that sentence and not give me credit. So I am giving you <laughs> credit. <laughs> um, but the, what she said was when we walked away from the movie, cause we watched it together, she said, what you do isn't who you are. Mm, and she thought 100%. that was kind of one of the, the, the thesis of the movie. And I think that's exactly right. Is that our identity as people and as Christians is never going to be what our vocation is, whether that's in ministry or otherwise. And, for joe joe saw his his whole purpose as wrapped up and his identity wrapped up in i have to become and achieve this jazz pianist and um i like to sometimes put the enneagram to kind of assign an enneagram number to each movie to (laughs) capture its like desires and longings and and i I would certainly say this is an enneagram three movie and i see joe as an enneagram Mm. three who's really his his understanding and, and his drives are i want to achieve i want to become somebody and the way i become somebody is by becoming something and that is a successful jazz pianist. And what mm. he ends up realizing is that he, it's more about being a human being. You know, it's all kind of a cliche um, phrase, but it's about being a human being, not a human doing. And yeah. that's um, really mm. what he what changes his entire outlook on life. Awesome. Yeah.
1: Like we mentioned before, it's not for very young kids, kind of like inside out, like Pixar's got a whole there's a whole catalog of Pixar films many of them are really, like, sneakily very, very deep. We'll probably get to ratings later, but I think Soul... It's definitely not my favorite Pixar film or probably won't crack my top five, or at least right now, but I think it's probably the one, like, it's up there with Coco, but maybe even more so because it directly addresses the question of, like, what what is purpose? What does it mean to live a life of meaning and value and what gives one's life value? And it's so... I mean these movies are made in like six plus year periods, So like Mm. they're able to do this. It's such a simple story, but you have Joe and you have 22. Joe wants to live his life so specifically. And 22 is avoiding life because she's afraid like that. There's nothing Mm -hmm. that she can find that would make life good. I'm just kind of stunned at like how simple the premise is and like families can have these discussions because of this movie. Mm. Not that you Mm -hmm. need this movie to have these discussions, but I'm just very grateful of thoughtful artists out there in the world.
2: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And Mitch, it's quite unanimous that we all enjoy the film. Was there anything about the film that you thought uh, could have been improved on or that you Mm -hmm. thought might be missing or uh, just an area that you might have wanted to see more explanation in or or just what it, what did you think the, the movie could have had more of or or had done differently?
3: Yeah, I think that the the one kind of quibble I had with it was I I mean it it is Pixar and it is a kids' movie. Mm-hmm. Um and I I wish that it sounds kind of funny to say this I wish you would have died at the end. It it almost <laughs> felt a little bit like not not cheap, but I was assuming that, you know, as he's sending her off to live, that, oh, well, Joe's going to go to the Great Beyond now. And it's like, oh, actually, who, and I think it's one of the Jerry's. It's like, oh, actually, we decided that you're actually going to get to live now. And it's like, oh, I thought he died. Mm-hmm. Though. So it, it felt a little bit cheap and a little bit of like a kind of an ex-machina ex kind of, oh, he's going to get saved here at the last second. That that was really the only kind of criticism i had um I, it
1: probably would have been a stronger movie
0: yeah i, I kind of thought at that moment where the gate kind of opens up and he sees the world that i i wasn't sure what choice he was gonna make
1: i agree i was not I, sure either anyway.
0: i i thought he was gonna make a statement because and and this is another theme too that that we could bring up but like relationships are so transformational and I, I love what you said about like the Enneagram 3-ness of the movie. And for people who aren't familiar, the idea is the go-getter who really puts on any face necessary to achieve but then kind of loses who they actually are in the process Mm -hmm. because of that. And
1: like his sense of self was, I am jazz. I am the jazz guy.
0: And I think the scene that shows that more than anything else is the barbershop scene with Des and Des and, joe's body being inhabited by 22 are having a <laughs> genuine yeah. like, human conversation relating to each other and getting into the things that matter in life and like there's this thing right at the end where it's like oh you always all you always talk about is jazz like that's why you never found out any of these other things and mm-hmm. i i just thought that was a poignant scene i wondered how you thought the relationships
3: interacted with purpose and finding all of life yeah, I mean, in that in that montage scene that I think it sounds like is a highlight for all of us. Um, in 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 most of those scenes, he's with another person, whether that's mm-hmm. teaching students, whether that's being with his dad, um, and, and and of course, there's the the scene at the barber shop where he sees human connection, and and all of those the representations. I think there's like a piece of a bagel and a pizza and a. Um, Kind of one of those whirly, of twirly, whirly uh, maple seeds. All of those bring up a memory with other people, surrounded by people and relationships. And I think that certainly one of the core messages of the, the film is that people are important and human connection is important. And, of course, that's hits very... <laughs> um, a lot more differently in 2020, the end of 2020 than it than it would mm. have otherwise. But I think another aspect of the film that I was interested in talking about that's related to that is so 22, if if Joe is the Enneagram three, the achiever, the go getter, I definitely see 22 is the Enneagram four. Um, the individualist, Mm. um, the person who may be prone to melancholy. And so a little bit of self-disclosure, I kind of on and off since I was 15 um, have struggled with depression. And I think that soul kind of a, it, it may not, it didn't jump out to me as much the first time as it did this, the rewatch really accurately depicts depression. Mm. Um, They call them lost souls. And that's where it kind of gets into the, the mystics, the, the, the humorous, they're kind of side characters. They're these, these traveling mystics that help lost souls. But uh, a lost soul is essentially the personification of depression in that they are always isolated um, they run away from human connection. You see 22, she kind of becomes like almost like this sand monster looking being, mm-hmm. and they, they run away from connection. The mystics mention that they are fixated on loss or what mm. they don't have, which is very true. And I think one of the most poignant seas, scenes of the movie is when 22 is surrounded by all these other sand monsters that are shouting accusations at her. Mm-hmm. Um, shouting a lot of untruths like they're saying you have no purpose yeah. you have no hope things like that and I've heard depression described as anger turned inward and mm-hmm. the way I communicate depression to a lot of people um that maybe haven't struggled with it is depression to me often sounds like voices of accusation towards me about my own value and mm-hmm. I thought that it really accurately depicted what depression feels like. It feels isolating. It feels heavy. And it also feels and sounds like a lot of voices accusing you and telling you things that aren't true about yourself.
1: Mm. And, and, and certainly since a
3: big part of that was the isolation that those lost souls went through. And they, they retreated away from community and away from human connection, kind of into their own world.
0: Yeah. How often, too, those voices, unfortunately, do take the shape of mentors and people Mm -hmm. who for whatever reason you know they did want to help us and and maybe they did have good intention but there were maybe painful messages in there and then we carry those with us you you find that to be true to life as well
3: yeah yeah especially and it was so heartbreaking to see one of those monsters sand monsters yelling at her was took the shape of joe and it was using his own words against her and that's absolutely um, I think a, a part of depression is the voices come from within certainly, but they can also come from outside of us, from other people. And mm. they, can be. sometimes they're accurate to what a person said that really a criticism or a hurtful word that you really fixate on and ruminate on. Um, but sometimes you twist the meaning of those words mm. and it becomes something that the person didn't intend.
1: And I, I meant to go real. jump back in the scene on my half third rewatch today i went back and watch a couple scenes that scene because i'm i remember some of the things that like sand monster uh discouraging joe was saying in 22's mind was dialogue taken directly from earlier in the film but i'm pretty sure that some of that was added in extra so she took what she she took what joe said and then added a bunch of like extra mm-hmm. negative stuff to it yeah. attributed it to him And then was kind of like living under the yoke of that by herself and wasn't able until Joe made that connection with her. Yeah. She was she was she wasn't just there with his criticisms. She was also there with like stuff that she made up, like unable Mm -hmm. to find the truth because she was isolated.
3: Yep. That's exactly right. And and it's interesting what brought her out of it was a small it was that maple seed. But it's uh, the maple seed is, of course, a symbol for. You know, and that's an interesting question: is what What does that seed represent? Mm. I think certainly mm. it represents human connection, but I think it also represents beauty mm-hmm. and nature. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if we if we can interpret this theologically, it represents common grace and God's creation and and human connection and all those things that we've we've been talking about. And and that's what kind of melted away the monster that was surrounding her and i Mm. that that ended up i mean i love the montage scene where where joe's at the piano but that's really the one that i think i was left thinking about the most at least on the second the second viewing i had
0: yeah those little maple seeds are just it's such a good choice for something to represent the wonder of natural design because you watch that and it like helicopters around that's just so fascinating the the way that that is designed and the way that it works in the world and and it's just natural. It's just naturally occurring thing and it's one of those little things that draws your mind upward to bigger more transcendental truths and it's such a such a simple little thing to be able to do that. Yeah. All of that.
1: Now I mean the more I, and it's the same way anytime I I, um, I purposefully study or give my attention to a, a excellent film. Like the more I think of it, I'm like, is it in my top five Pixar movies? <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? I don't know. I'm not sure. Top five uh, Vince, what about you?
2: Yeah, I would definitely say this is as far as like animated movies, this would definitely go in the top 10 not animated movies seen this year. Cause I haven't, um, but Animated movies uh, so far, like maybe all time list, uh, I definitely say it, it hits top 10 for sure. Because it's one of the kinds of films that you have to watch multiple times and you almost just have to simply just be in that moment to be able to just watch the film and allow, allow the film to really uh, communicate the, the core messages to you in a way that applies, because I I can definitely relate with you, Mitch, about anger turned inwards, how that can really translate. And so, um, I I think that's definitely a great point to, to pull out.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, we talked about the maple seed and just the natural beauty. One of the things that is very strongly in my mind um, was towards the end. I think it was right after the musical montage. There was like interior Joe's apartment, and then like exterior, him yeah. in the window. Yeah. Zoom out his building, zoom out the skyline, like zoom out kind of like a satellite. You see all the lights, like zoom out the globe, and then like zoom out like the, the cosmos. cosmos. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, man, with <laughs> We got, like, Interstellar and Tree of Life and now Soul, like, just getting deep, like, just straight up the cosmos, like, but it was all about, Joe was the focus of it. It tied Joe to his city, his area, his, his neighborhood, the world, and then existence. Mm. Joe's life has meaning, even though, like, zoomed out all the way, physically speaking, he's kind of nothing and insignificant, but... Mm. Right after it, it went from, like, his birth through a bunch of incredible moments in his life, with like, his, his family, eating wonderful food, enjoying, like, learning how to ride a bike, playing piano with his dad, like, enjoying the beach, um, sitting in the bathtub with his mom when he was a kid, like, it looked like his first day of teaching, all these things, like, yeah. in the grand scheme of things, like, that man's life has value. And again, yeah. this movie's not trying to be a Sunday school lesson. But, like, it's saying, like, we all have value. Yeah. And I was, like, I'm kind of getting, like, choked up now just thinking about, like, this film has so much truth in it. Yeah. To to not engage it. Because we are the only ones that can take that, those true things, and take it all the way forward. That's right. We're the only ones that can do that.
0: I mean, if you want the Sunday school lesson, Psalm 8, verse 3, When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, What is man? That you are mindful of Him Mm -hmm. and the Son of Man, that you care for Him, and God does. He He cares for us. And looking up at the stars causes us to have that same thought, like the psalmist does. Like that's that's an inspired, inscripturated experience of this is how humans can experience the cosmos.
1: And that's exactly like what I felt. they didn't flash a Bible verse on that screen, but the way they, they did it, the way they kept zooming out, like, yeah. that's, that is what that scene is saying. Yeah. It's, it's like, incredible. Man.
0: The Bible, like, in a lot of ways, all the time is like a, if you know, you know about, like, <laughs> all of creation, though.
1: <laughs> uh, and it was also, like, a pretty funny film, too. Any anything stick out to you humor wise there are a couple of really great jokes i wanted to mention i got some because especially when you're dealing with
2: something so deep
1: the hedge fund guy there was a funny couple of very yeah. good last that I was hilarious hedge fund
2: manager yeah uh, yeah just uh knocking down everybody's computers off their desks so i was uh, <laughs> uh i was a
0: math major in college and there was some guys who were like really aiming at going for hedge fund managers and like just knowing that that kind of mindset and personality and like work it it was
3: it, it definitely hit me as super funny I'm, I'm not a new york knicks fan but i so did really enjoy funny. It. oh my goodness that was that was great i thought a lot of the U seminar stuff was funny and and showing the the past mentors that 22 had had
1: yes
2: mm-hmm.
3: and the if you knicks I, paused, joke I did pause at one point me. where you kind of go into i guess it's like her room 22's room but she has
2: mm-hmm.
3: a, like a on her wall is this the sticker name tag of every mentor uh-huh. she's ever had yeah and they went into a lot of detail like down to like i was gonna pause, pause i, on I that? never
1: got to look at that
3: yeah there's like different languages like i saw like a lot of um like it looked like maybe sanskrit some like chinese symbols like there was a lot of like some Hebrew, I think, and Greek in there. So they somebody worked really hard on like that one shot to get.
1: <laughs> I do so think detail. the uh, Marie I Antoinette like disembodied that. head was funny. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. But the next joke is the one that made me laugh out loud the hardest.
0: Yeah. So. Oh, the Marie Antoinette one was really hilarious as well because twenty two had been given a piece of cake. and Marie Antoinette (laughs) was done with so anyway it was very and then also
1: it's very childish like every time I watched it it also made me laugh very hard the pizza joke the pizza joke because they couldn't eat (laughs) yeah (laughs) just how it went right through them and just like just that's peak physical comedy yo but
0: when like 22's embodied and actually eats the pizza I'm just like yes Yes, pizza is Dude, pecan like the entire food pyramid for me.
1: The, um, it's just so and good. The montage as well. Um, yeah, pizza is great with food. Pizza is great.
0: <laughs> that's, that's what you should take away from this film. <laughs> pizza is wonderful. Pizza is great. <laughs> How about so? It, kind, of, I, I almost wish that we could have like a Jungian psychologist on to like analyze some mm-hmm. of that side of the movie because I definitely felt like. There was things, I know enough to know that like there was some, some things that they were pulling from in there, but like the whole idea of the fixation of the people who are in the zone and they get fixated and then turn into the lost souls. I was thinking about that concept and, and how, how we see that play out in even Christian circles. This idea of this good thing, this thing that somebody's taking in a great way, but then when it becomes all-consuming, they lose themselves to that.
1: Sure, I And mean, you see a lot of pastors deal with that uh, successfully and poorly.
3: Mm-hmm. We can we can lose ourselves. I think. Well, I think it's we can become fixated. Well, the the zone is presented as a good thing when. Right. Someone is using it for their their passion, such as when Joe is playing jazz on the piano and he gets so in the zone that he kind of transcends um, kind of his conscious into a, a subconscious area. But then there can also be a, a fixation in a, in a negative way, which is what the lost souls are. They're fixated on something that's lost or something that they don't have, and that, that kind of descends them into kind of a, a depressive state. Um yeah so i think I think our thoughts matter i think is is a perhaps a message that the film was trying to get across what we ruminate on, what we daydream about, what we fixate on matters um but that yeah, is an interesting thought and they did they, they did make a few Jungian jokes, and Carl mm-hmm. Jung was one of the her former mentors mm-hmm. um so mm-hmm. yeah, I'm not sure if the eight-year-olds were like, "Oh yes, oh
0: yeah."
1: yeah. Well, Finality, well, and that's the, that's the brilliance <laughs> of like Pete Doctor. Like I'm other than Brad Bird, who like is kind of an outside guy who comes in a lot. Like Pete Doctor is probably my favorite guy at Pixar. He makes the most thoughtful of the film. Like they're still highly entertaining, but they're very thoughtful. And I mean, just all of that stuff packed together in like a 90, yeah. 100 minute essentially a kid's movie even though it's not a kid's movie
3: yeah it's probably it's, it's the least impressive. kids movie of any of pixar's catalog so far i'd say
2: i'd very much I'd probably say yeah, like that. that uh that part where um he was like is this the great beyond he's like no this is the great before or it was like no and then he said is it he double hockey oh, yeah. sticks they were all just like <laughs> hell 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 hell." <laughs> and my, my wife was like this is different for a Pixar movie. And I was like, yeah, we both just start busting out laughing because it was, it was definitely like caught me off guard. I thought they were just kind of go with it. But then they just kept saying it and kept saying it. It was, it was pretty funny.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that took it a lot from us as well
0: oh man and that is so like kids too you're like trying to like avoid saying whatever and you're trying to get in there they just totally pick up on it and run i with also it.
1: loved when the little preborn souls all were i couldn't tell if they were teasing him or just thought he was cool when they all gave themselves little fedoras because of joe <laughs> for a second that made me laugh each time as well Or the ones they just were like made little aloof. like boop like they just made them they just kind of uh manifested them on themselves yeah uh, the, the personality factories was funny that kind of got a little enneagrammy. yeah
0: yeah absolutely well that's why i was thinking like it honestly kind of jungian in ways like yeah. these these different personality traits
1: like you are aloof you are like excited and then that <laughs> <laughs> the one at the end was like like i'm a, insecure i'm somewhere. a narcissist or whatever like yeah. that crazy one yeah the megalomaniac i i thought that was yeah
3: they're like
0: this one's gonna fun. be a handful yeah or, like, maybe we should stop sending so many to that one. Like, the self-absorbed. Yeah, they're
1: like, why do we keep sending them
0: there? <laughs> <laughs> like, just a little, like, cultural commentary jabs. Mm-mm. You might hate me, Philip, for stepping on this landmine. But, like, the idea... So, so, as up in arms as some Christians are about this whole, like, afterlife soul thing sure. that's going on. Like, I mean, the fact that 22 matters as a soul... Before being born, could kind of be seen as a pro-life message. Mm. Mm. anybody else think that? Is this just no. me being? I weird? think that's you
1: stretching. <laughs> be stretching, but you could you could talk enough to where you could be like, well, now I'm thinking about it because you're saying, yeah, it.
0: like, well, what's gonna happen when 22 hits Earth, right? Like, and what? Well, and and obviously, like, like everyone else, yeah, exactly. So, but like that life matters. <laughs> so,
1: Why it
2: t- yeah. It might be a play on that a bit, just because you know Joe himself goes into the grave before with no recollection of ever being there. And if we're to assume everything's consistent, everyone comes from there. Then once you get your Earth pass and kind of go down, you don't have any recollection of it. So it it, it it might be alluding to um, a very like secondary, relative, close to touching pro life message. Yeah.
0: It's just interesting. It's 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 just an interesting concept. I mean, obviously, if you were of the mind to be offended of the pro, whatever pro life concept, like you could say, "Oh well, you don't know at what point the soul enters the body, so it doesn't matter." And they don't address that in the film, so it's obviously not a question that the huh. film is trying to address. My point being, in the same way that it's also not trying to address anything about theology necessarily. It, if we were going to at that same time press it on these things it's not trying to address you could say there's this other thing that you know while Maybe. while we're critiquing it for this other stuff that it's not, it could be
3: positive I
1: don't know yeah. I think it's you advocating
3: should... for there is there is purpose beyond the material yeah. that, that surrounds us
1: so you should I... tweet at all the angry Christian moms that they are dunking <laughs> on a pro-life movie see how that works out for you <laughs> oh uh,
0: I think I think I'll pass on on that very distinct Twitter opportunity. <laughs>
1: That's probably wise. You um, got a lot of editing to do this week. Um, so, Mitch, uh, one of the things you mentioned to me before we recorded is that, like, your Pixar standings. We're not there's like twenty some of them now. What uh, what are you thinking as far as like where do you currently stand after seeing Soul? As far as top five best or favorite. You can you can hit us with yeah of those. yeah
3: it's I yeah ranking things can be difficult. There's there's kind of the objective way you can of what's the best, what's the greatest, and then there's of course the subjective. And you know, I was um, three years old when Toy Story came out. So there are certain Pixar movies that I have watched. It's so hard to compare Soul. I've only seen it twice to say uh, Monsters, Inc., which I still remember the VHS we, you know, wore out growing Mm -hmm. up or Toy Story. The blue one? You know, things that I've seen probably upwards of a couple dozen times. So it's so hard to compare those those two. I, I like to think of pixar films in terms of like echelons or tiers, mm. and i and i definitely think that soul would be um, the top tier of pixar i think it's up there i think i think the best pixar movies so far is wally i mm. think i like that i like wally
1: yeah that's and, a very and... trevor movie i think wally is i'll put it on like best it's just not my favorite
3: uh uh-huh. mm. yeah i think it's
1: an incredible film it's so good i think i've only watched it once in its entirety actually
3: yeah, it's it is similarly transcendent and has a lot on its mind as well. Um, and I think Monsters, Inc. and Toy Story, I have the the greatest affection for. I think Inside Out is is slightly above Soul. Um, hmm. I thought that was a really genius, inventive movie. And I would put Ratatouille up there as well. I think Ratatouille is kind of Pixar's thesis on art and. Creativity and uh, honestly, with talking about vocation and passions, I think Ratatouille and and soul have a lot in common too.
1: Ratatouille is my number one personally, and I think I got strong Ratatouille vibes when uh, Joe first got into the zone. Like, yeah, when when Remy's cooking and yeah, when he's cooking with the tastes and the flavors Mm -hmm. and the smells. Mm -hmm. Like, part of my experience seeing Ratatouille for the first time was going in blind, and I mean, I was very much a heavy film fan, and I don't know how I missed it, but I, I originally thought Ratatouille was like DreamWorks or something, and I went in with like, this is a kid's movie. Mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting it to be a Pixar movie. I don't think I had realized it was a Brad Bird film, and I was I was blown away from the very beginning. It's a
0: good film. It's a really good film. We
1: should maybe put that on the potential. There you sometime. go. Maybe we can get Brad Bird on. <laughs> I know. His, we're like, I still
3: think Brad Bird's best movie is The Iron Giant.
1: So good.
2: Oh man, just I'll got done watching it. that one recently. It was. I need to take a that look is at that. An one.
3: Guaranteed,
2: like just Super a blubbery mess
3: of tears for me. Oh, <laughs> wow, Superman! Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: All right, well, I'll have
0: to. I'll have to get my tissues ready and watch that one. Kind of one of the last things that was on my mind about Soul was, and and I kind of wanted to explore here with you guys was this idea of waiting so many people find themselves in that place where they're waiting for their moment to arrive whether that is that next career opportunity whether that is school whether that is relational how should someone approach that kind of waiting season of life as we think through like both
3: the truths that that soul presents and also the truths that the word of god presents yeah, I'm. I'm reminded of, I believe it's um, Jim Elliot, the missionary martyr, who said, "Wherever you are, be all there." Mm-hmm. I think that's a, a big takeaway as well. Certainly, there's there's a large tradition, Christian tradition of living in the presence of God, living all of life in in the presence of God. Um, certainly, there's the monastic tradition, and I think, that, you know, talking about common grace, there's a lot of common grace to Mindfulness teachings, a lot of bones to, to pick out of that meat, but I think living a mindful life where you are in tune with with where you are, being in God's presence, living whatever season that God has called you to live, and and going all in on it. And it may not be the season that you thought you were going to be in, or it may not be the one you're most excited about, or you may be looking ahead, but I think there's a lot of value of being mindful and living in the presence of God wherever you are.
2: Yeah. And I, I think it also plays on the our understanding of of being content um because I think what can motivate a lot of individuals is needing more. I need more in my career, I need more in my job or more in my life or or whatever, you know. And so it I know that, you know, scripture talks about being content. And it's not wrong to be ambitious depending on what those things are, but it calls us to be able to, as we enjoy life, we enjoy life satisfied. And like you said, we, uh, we mm. do it to the glory of God and we, we are satisfied, all satisfied in Christ. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's, it's just being content. It's to say, I'm waiting, and if I never got that thing that I think I need or that I really, really want, um, is God still good? Is, is Christ still sufficient? Can I still be happy? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it it definitely plays on our understanding and I would say even the, the exercise in being content. Mm. Dude, that is a good call out. Yeah.
1: So, all this from a kid's movie, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, before we wrap up here, Mitch, uh, one of the things we like to do on the substance, uh, I'm sure you've heard it before on some of the si- uh, substantive cinema and other shows is a substance shout out. So obviously we're talking about movies here. You can go. You can pick a couple if you want, like movies, music, books, podcasts, podcasts. What sorts of things in the realm of the arts, culture, entertainment that had that you found uh edifying or enjoyable recently? Other than Yeah. So.
3: Yeah, there's a lot. I think um so one one and I'll give it a shout out to my my wife and I I I rewatched it. She watched it for the first time. The the two Paddington movies,
1: if we're yes. talking about like kids movies.
3: Um yes. Paddington 2 being my favorite of the two. I think those are similarly, I mean, it is just a breath of fresh air. They are. Um, and they, they also kind of have this under underpinning um, lots of common grace and certainly the importance of kindness, especially to those who are, whether refugees, immigrants, outsiders. I think there's a lot of great messages for that.
1: And Shockingly good films. Yes. I had no expectations for those. Those were like shockingly good,
3: and and I have a, a huge love for Wes Anderson, and they they very much are are kind of playing with a, l- a lot of the his wheelhouse of spacing and color and visual gags mm. and things like that. So I'll shout out the Paddingtons, and I so I did my my top you know twenty five top thirty movies of the year um, list on Twitter, and my number one was American Utopia which is a concert film by David Byrne, directed by Spike Lee, um, and that is on HBO Max. And, Still need to watch that. Yeah, so American Utopia is what it's called, and it's um, David Byrne, the front man for Talking Heads. He had a 1984 um, concert film called Stop Making Sense, which I just caught up with the first time. It's commonly thought to be the greatest concert film ever made, and it is just, you know... 90 minutes 120 minutes of just pure euphoria and creative energy and it's unique and it's weird and it's odd and it's great music at the talking heads and David Burns solo stuff really provided my 2020 with a great soundtrack that was a one well, of my favorite like artistic it's a little bit of music a little bit of film discoveries of the past year and um, American Utopia is a a great a great concert film and it's um his kind of troop of musicians and and band that he's with, none of them are stationary. They have, they carry all their instruments with, with them and they're moving all throughout this flat stage. And it's, it's just brilliant. I love it so much. I've watched it three times and I'll probably watch it again.
1: Nice. Well, thanks. Awesome. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Well, Mitch, thanks so much for joining us uh, for some reflections
3: on soul. I loved it, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man.
1: Where uh, where can folks find you, Mitch?
3: So I am on Twitter, Mitch underscore Wiley, but I also, um, around this time last year, did a more cinema-specific um, film Twitter of, at Film Mitch, and I love tweeting out rankings and lists, and um, it's kind of a place I like to kind of Expend some of my some of my hobby and, and creative energy into and a buddy of mine Nathan Robertson and I we made a blog called CrucibleReviews.com and we've been putting up different reviews from a kind of a very substantive cinema type reviews looking at truth and beauty and and where the Christian life is reflected in in different movies and we put some stuff up maybe once or twice a month there so you can check that out. Awesome.
0: Well, Mitch, once again, thank you for joining us on the show and thank you for your time this evening. Thanks so much, guys. I loved it. Let's do it again sometime. Awesome, man. Yeah. Have a great night. Yeah, you too. Thanks, man. We'll see you later. All right. right, Well, that was our Substantive Cinema episode on Soul with our friend Mitch Wiley. Guys, what a fun time talking about that
1: film. That was a really enjoyable discussion. If you enjoyed that and you enjoy what we do here, Um, And you want to be personally supportive and you want to give to us, the two best ways to donate are uh, through Cash App. Cash App is good for single um, donations, one time or individual gifts. You can do that at dollar sign, the substance pod. Or if you want to become a more regular supporter of what we do, you can go to the anchor link in the show notes, the support um, page of our anchor account, and you can sign up for supporting us at whatever monthly level works for you they got one dollar two dollar three dollar ten dollar if you want to do hundred dollars we wouldn't stop you uh, whatever really makes sense for you um, we're doing this for free week in and week out we really love this so if you want to be um, if you want to join us you can support us there on anchor as well
2: follow us on Facebook. Twitter and Instagram. We are at The Substance Pod. There you can follow our content, our substance shoutouts, any giveaways that we're having, and that's a great place to interact with us. If you have comments or questions or just any kind of interaction with The Substance team, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is the best place to do it.
0: We love all of your feedback and want to be easy to get in touch with for our listeners. So definitely you can find us on those socials like vince mentioned but if you're more old school you can write us an email at the at gmail.com or if you're even more old school you can call us and leave us a voice message and in fact if it's compelling material we might put it on the show that phone number is nine one three seven zero three three eight eight three Thank you for joining us this week, and we'll see you next time.
1: On um, substance.
0: <laughs> okay interesting because yeah. okay. it's I, just like
3: you know um well because it's already it's online learning language. french was
0: the was the worst i ever did in the language i did way better in hebrew and greek but i also wasn't doing it as a freshman in yeah. college so i mean I it'll be like fun. la cinema
3: and i'm like oh i know that one <laughs> <laughs> of but, yes, yes.
0: Yeah, and you not have to worry about speaking it when you're doing it as a research language. So nobody's mm-hmm. going to make fun of the fact that you just said cinema, but like yeah. you skip Raph. half the vowels and like 80% of the consonants mm-hmm. in French.